Good morning, Northgate and friends. Here I am back on the front yard, missing it so much, even though we've gone indoors for our gathering. Such a beautiful day today on this Thanksgiving weekend that I thought I would video this little teaching outside, far away from the rooster on the other side of the house. But let's get into God's word this morning. First Corinthians 15, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bless your word, just speak to our hearts, encourage us, yeah, in the truth of your word. I pray this in your name. Amen. Holy Spirit, help us today. So last week we began 1 Corinthians 15, and I said I was going to split the chapter up into two parts. The resurrection of Christ, Paul uh, talking about that, and we also will be resurrected the end of our lives if we pass away Paul says we'll fall asleep but when Christ comes back that we will be risen to be with him that we will be resurrected that we will have a resurrected body just like Jesus now for some reason Paul has slipped this into uh, the end of the book here in chapter 15 and only one more chapter in 16 and for some reason the Corinthian church maybe was dealing with some false teaching or some heresy that would say that Christ hasn't risen and we shall not rise on that last day as well and that's why here in chapter 15 verse 33 says evil company corrupts good habits that people who are teaching the wrong thing can affect us and we don't really want to be around them and one of the key elements to the gospel we learned last week is the resurrection that Jesus Christ not only died but he rose again and that we will rise to be with him and as we live in this world that we have resurrection power that we have newness of life that we have strength to conquer sin as we stop striving in ourselves and believe the truth of what Christ has done for us but at the end of the chapter here he's gonna go on and continue to talk about the resurrection and our future hope what it means for our future in the present day obviously the resurrection power is for us but for the future what an amazing hope that we have Paul makes it clear as well in these verses verses 14 through 19 specifically as well to if Christ hasn't risen then what are we preaching we have nothing to preach about that our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. We believe that Christ is risen and that he is at the right hand of the Father, making intercession, that his forgiveness is for us, that he's working for us. And because he is risen from the dead, that we will become his first fruits, that we will rise again as well, that Christ who is God has completed all the work. So almost last week, it was Christ is risen. What does that mean? But we will rise this week in the end and what hope we have for eternity and what that means for us. This amazing, amazing hope. What a word that is, hope. Uh, to have hope changes absolutely everything. We have a living hope, it says in 1 Peter 1.3, to an inheritance undefiled, uncorrupted. We have a living hope. I began looking, I remember a couple years ago, I looked at some studies in regards to hope and how they change the way we live if we do have hope. And even the secular would, world believes now in science that something happens and 
the chemicals of our brain when we have hope in regards to something whether students hope for academics or people who are sick whether they have hope for a healing or hope to get better and we as Christians what that means or if we're struggling and in pain just that idea of hope and so many studies have been done and that there's actually things released in the brain that cause us not to be anxious not to be depressed if we have hope now look at that those times in our lives when we face difficulty and pain but to know that Christ is with us to know that we have a hope for eternity changes everything it changes how we live today if we truly have hope all these studies I remember uh, reading or listening to a sermon about one at hope and these mice uh, were put in a very difficult situation a task to accomplish but some of them were given a little food or a little hope to continue and they tried so much harder than the other mice and how true that is again as people if we have hope in the truth that Christ is risen and that we will rise and that we have this great hope of eternity. Well, Paul also talks about a couple other things at the end of this chapter. The first being as Jesus comes back that he's going to deliver the kingdom of the God to the Father. That he will put an end to all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign till he has put all things under his feet in verse 25 for he will or has put all things under his feet quoted from Psalm 8 and what an amazing promise that is it's actually this week I was maybe a little discouraged reading the news not so much COVID or here but international news south of the border the discouragement of division and all the sin that's running rampant and all the things that are taking away people's peace hunger disease, uh, corrupt governments, uh, greedy people. It just wears on you for a while. But as I was studying about this chapter and thinking about it, that the resurrected Christ is coming back and he's going to rule and reign in the millennium in such a way and even into eternity with us that it'll be absolutely perfect, that he's going to deal with the enemy. He's going to deal with Satan. And we see that in Revelation. And the false beast uh, or the false prophet and the beast uh, and that dragon who was saying no I'll be thrown in the lake of fire and Christ is gonna come and he's going to rule and he's gonna rule perfectly and what hope we have when it can be so discouraging to look at the news that when Christ comes back he's gonna put all things in order and we just need to keep at it and understand that that last enemy will be destroyed and even the final final enemy of death is destroyed because we will rise from the dead maybe you feel the weight the burden of this world and news and all of those things may we change our tune today or yeah the burden of covid it seems first wave second wave no no hope but there is hope in christ and the greatest hope of all is that we will rise again in death and that we will spend eternity with him. That this isn't the end of our life here. There's so much more. God has so much more for us and he's going to deliver in his precious promises and he's gonna rule and reign and we can trust him and we will rise to be with him. Well, when we do rise, 
we're going to have a glorious new body. And maybe for you young people, I talked about just a snippet of this in church. Uh, but when I was young, I never thought I needed a new body. I had energy and I was active. And yeah, maybe for a time, you know, you're really young, sin doesn't bother you, you're just running around. But it seems the older you get, you realize that your old tent is, is breaking down. And that sin and the problems of this earth, they, they affect our body and sickness and other things. Yeah, just a silly example. But today I went to play basketball and I'm, I'm not that old. And man, my body is aching. I played with the boys home for Thanksgiving and my knees and my legs. And I'm just thinking, wow, it wasn't always like this. But the hope is, even as we all get older, there's something much better. Though we sow this into the ground, we will come up with this new spiritual body it says in first corinthians 15 in those verses 39 through 49 that we will be like the resurrected jesus that body we don't know exactly what that's like we have a little picture of the resurrected jesus but that's what we will be we won't be physically or fleshly in sickness or tiredness or sin in terms of how it affects the body in corruption, but we will be raised incorruptible in glory. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. What a tremendous hope that is for us. I remember reading, I was preparing for another sermon uh, a while ago, and I came across the biography of Richard Baxter. I think I mentioned it a long time ago. He was a theological writer and 1800s and he was riddled with pain so much pain and but he kept writing and he kept having a profound impact on people in the midst of his pain but one of the things he did each day is he took half an hour just to think of eternity just to meditate just to put his mind on things above to think of the new body that he's not going to experience pain in heaven or sin or all of these things, but it will be different. And just in that hope, it helped him to continue on. And how much do we need that as well? To think of this back half of the gospel that Christ risen and we will rise again and that we will be with him. And what that hope does for us today. Obviously, we're gonna have this amazing final victory, verses 50 through 57, the sting of death which is sin and the strength of sin which is the law will be done away with i was just thinking this really changes so many things this hope of the resurrection and probably what i wanted to get to at the end of this and maybe for the corinthians as well as they've been challenged with this false te teaching these epicurean teachings and these people who are just living for the here and now saying there's nothing later that you're not going to rise again that you have just to lay it out on the line and sin all you want because you don't have to pay a price but i love this last verse in verse 58 and maybe you've heard it before and it's a verse that we all can use to encourage one another it says therefore whenever there's a therefore you look back why is it there and he's talking about the resurrection and the hope of the resurrection and those false teachers are wrong and don't be corrupted by what they're saying but rather know truth live in truth that christ is risen 
and our preachings not in vain and that you will rise again and that you will have this new body. Therefore, because of that, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm going to repeat that. Let that sink into your heart today. Therefore, my beloved brethren, these people at Corinth, for the church in the first century, for us today, be steadfast. I've been thinking about being steady this week. I feel God is calling me to be steady. Steady in this time of ups and downs with disease and sickness and virus, with a world that's falling apart. I feel God saying to me and just praying and listening to him and writing in my journal, it was like, Dan, just be steady with what I've called you to do. Be steady because of the hope that you have, that it will be rewarded in eternity. And you don't need to live in the ups and downs of this life because there's another life. And people need us to be steady, steadfast, immovable. That picture, and when we were in the mountains there two, three weeks ago, they're, they're immovable. They're, they're not moving. And we have this hope, so we don't have to move. The Corinthian people might have been moved, and maybe that's some of the reasons that they were involving themselves in sexual sin and, and not forgiving people and division, thinking that this world is all there is to offer and there is no resurrection. So behave and do what you want, but no, we need to be immovable in our hope that Christ is coming back and he's going to look at our lives and we can be steady in our hope. What does that look like? We need to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. You know, sometimes uh, we think of living the Christian life and some people say, oh, it's always, always joy, always happiness. Well, you know what? Sometimes it's work to be steady and immovable and to go back to truth and to know what it says. But we need to abound. We need to flow. It needs to come out of us, always in the work of the Lord, not the work for this earth. We don't want to work, work, work for stuff that will dissipate and disappear and be destroyed. But we want to build our treasure in eternity, knowing that we're going to be resurrected. We want to work for the Lord. We want to be abounding. And again, it says that your labor is not in vain. So then the whole verse, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Oftentimes I will write this verse out or text this verse to those who I know are getting tired or it's hard to be steady or it's easy to be moved as we deal with people. And earlier in this chapter, I think Paul even said that, man, he had to deal with beasts in Ephesus. Or in, say, in the matter of men in verse 32, I fought with beasts at Ephesus. I had to fight. And they were saying, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. But no, 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 no. There's another life in these beasts that would proclaim that in this work that we have and this labor. It's not easy. We have to fight. We have to, to march on. We have to believe. We have to know. And hope drives us. Our hope knowing there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is eternity. There is a living hope. 
and Christ is risen and we will rise with him and we will live forever. Man, may we be steady, immovable, always abounding, not for the work of this world, but the work for the Lord, knowing that everything you've done, that is positive. You will receive crowns, that you will receive judgment, but good judgment, that God sees your labor. He will honor it as we live for eternity. Man, one of Satan's greatest lies is this is here and now. This is it. I'm just going to live for today. I'm going to release and do what I want. No, there's so much more. We're called to be steady, immovable, abounding, flowing, abounding in our work for the Lord. May God help us because our hope is real. Our hope is true. That great expectation of good. May there be a sweeping flow of new hope in us that this is not it. So much more. And even these beautiful trees behind us, what do they indicate? They're dying. <laughs> yeah, they're beautiful, but they're dying. They won't be beautiful too long. And all the leaves will be gone. But we know there'll come a time. The light will come. The nutrients will flow back up the tree. When we see that as Christ coming back in. And life will appear again. And this world isn't the end of the story. We're going to live again. Glorious bodies. And we will be rewarded for the good we've done. So today, may we put our minds, set our mind on eternity and the hope of the resurrection. May you be encouraged to keep going, to be immovable, to keep steady. I needed this work today. Let's be steady. Let's keep going. Let's be rocks abounding in the truth of God's word. The devil can't stop us. He can't stop God's truth. We're going to keep marching on. We're going to keep proclaiming him, Jesus Christ, and his work. We're going to keep proclaiming all that he has to offer to people. We know, we know there's something so much more. Praise God. So, Lord Jesus, thank you that you can empower us today. Last week, we have all power. And this week, we have all hope. We have all hope, and may that hope motivate us to continue to be steady in a world that is being tossed and turned by the wind and every story and document. May we be steady in the fact that you're coming, that you're going to be victorious, that you're going to judge sin, that we're going to live with you. We're going to have a new body. Lord, may we not be corrupted by the thoughts of those who don't believe in you, the thoughts of those who don't believe in eternity. May we not be corrupted by those things, but may we continue in your work. May we abound in your work, knowing our labor is not in vain. Thank you so much, Jesus. Praise you today. Amen. Well, if we don't see you tomorrow, have a great Thanksgiving. Give thanks to the Lord, for truly, He is good. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.